Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Did y'all like that video? Yeah. How many of y'all were crying for, for real? For, oh, all y'all were crying. I was, I was passing out tissues. This little, this little boy came and got some tissues thrown in front of me. I said, is that for your mom? He went, yep. <laughs> Can I have everybody stand up for one second? Stand up, uh, well, actually be more than one second, about two minutes. <laughs> Uh, Merry Christmas. I want to say hello to all the campuses and God bless y'all and all the people in the military out there watching. Let's give all those people a big hand out there. God bless y'all. Uh, the cool, one of the many cool things about that video is that when I met her, uh, she told me she had been coming here uh, and, and have been here on and off since she was nine years old. Someone brought in when she was a little kid. And so uh, uh, anyway, thank you for what you're giving. I know a lot of y'all probably say, I didn't do anything, um, but you do. You know, you come, you pray, you participate, you give at some point or something, and it all boils down to us helping people. And there's a lot of that going on that you don't see. Um, but you can get involved and do stuff like that for people, even if it's just paying for somebody at um, a Starbucks or something. Uh, you never know what a, a very small gesture of kindness can communicate to somebody, that God has bigger plans for them, or God loves them and sees them. And so be mindful of what the Holy Spirit tells you when you're out and about and how he can use you in someone's life, even if to say, um, I'm praying for you. You know, I see people that I don't know all the time, and I talk to people, so I know everybody's not extrovert like that. But I'll tell, go up to people and say, how can I pray for you? And, they, you know, they're just like, um, uh, it's, a, it's a message from God to them. You know, it, it could be that powerful, so be mindful of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next, next year, we are going get, to get in, lean into some discipleship stuff, and, and we're, I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But I do want to practice our memory verse. Amen. Yeah. How many of y'all know what the memory verse is, by the way? Raise your hand. Okay. And some of y'all are like, no. Great. It's time to learn. Let's put it up on the screen. Matthew 28, 19. Let's all read it together on three. One, two, three. Say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to say that about two or three more times, then I'm going to take it off the screen. You're going to know it. Um, this is our theme for next year, to be disciples. Amen? One more time. Let's say, oh, actually, again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, keep it up on the screen one more time. A just answer my questions. Go where? And do what? Of who? And do what? In whose name? Okay, say the whole thing. Go therefore and make this. Take it off the screen. Look at the person next to you. One, two, three. Go therefore and make disciples of all. Uh, take a second, look at the person next to you and tell them that you want to be a disciple next year and then give them a hug. Amen. Uh, as a reminder, we will have a Christmas Eve service tomorrow at 4 o'clock and all the campuses. Invite somebody. Uh, come on back out. We're going to have a different service. And so uh, looking forward to celebrating again tomorrow. Let's see your Bibles on the count of three. Say word. <laughs> One time before I die. One time before I die. I'm going to be on my deathbed. I'm going to say, 
just one time. Before I, well, on count of three, say word, and the nurse is going to say word. <laughs> on the count of three, say word. Mamma mia. <laughs> word. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, say word. Thank you. Go to Matthew chapter one. If you are new here, every week we, I say on the count of three, say word, and I'm supposed to count the one, two, three, then say word, and they say before. So. Matthew, um, how many of y'all, context, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament, by the way. Um, context, how many of y'all, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think, and then I'm going to raise my hand, and if you agree, raise your hand with me. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm going to ask the question, and I, want, and I want you to pause. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question, pause, and then if you agree, this, okay? How many of you, by a show of hands, <laughs> want, look around the room, by the way. How many of you, by a show of hands, want what God's best for your life? Put your hands down. <laughs> okay, let me practice. I'm going to say, how many of you all, by a show of hands, want what's God's best for you? Don't raise your hand. Then I'm going to say, I'm going to do this. And if you want what God's best for you, do this with me. Is that clear? Okay, watch. Put your hands in your pocket. <laughs> Don't move so I put my hands in my pocket. How many of you, by a show of hands, want God's best for your life? Very good. Keep your hands up. Look around the room. Let's see. Okay. You can put your hands up. How many of you, by a show of hands, want God's best for you, no matter what he wants you to do, to get it? Okay. Um, we moved in this building in 2007, and when we did, we had five services, and it was a big celebration. It was on the news, and it was a great day, victorious day, um, momentous day. People were excited about the new building. We had moved previous to moving into this building. We had moved to separate locations 33 times. Our first five years, we moved 33 times, and then Two years after that, we were in another location where we were there every Sunday. We were outside in the rain. We were at different hotels in the morning, service at a night service, a different hotel, different ballroom, et cetera. And then we got our home for once. We moved here and it was exciting. And, you know, we have all this space and the big room and all this kind of stuff. And what people didn't realize, especially the people who just came for the first time that Sunday, was the backstory and all the pain, drama, scary ulcers and <laughs> panic and stress leading up to moving in here. We started our church in the year 2000, February 27th. February 15th of 2001, just about 50 weeks later, we found this building. It took six and a half years to get in the building. And in that six and a half years, there was a lot of negotiation. I, I, when we first started the negotiation, we had a certain team of people that I didn't feel we were getting anywhere. And then God sent 
a friend of mine named John Kratzer who was at the time building Pepco Park, <laughs> literally, over that project. And I said, what's he gonna help me for? And then we met and we became best friends. And, and, and it, when he first got in a deal, he asked me what was going on. I said, here's what has happened. And he says, okay, I've done this before, I'll help you. And he goes to church here, he's on the board and everything. But he said to me, um, this deal is gonna die five times. You just need to know that. So looking forward, it's gonna go away, we're gonna walk away, everyone's gonna get mad, and it's gonna be over about five times. And I was like, uh, why? <laughs> he said, this is how it happens. And it was, he was right. I mean, there was, a, there was a time when they were going to expand the airport and because of the jet fuel and the sound contours in the school and, and it was like, we, we may not be able to move here. So we had a six months to stop. And we had another time when the city council was going to vote and they could have voted us down to get our permit because we had to get a permit. And that, we went through that a couple of times and that made my heart race. And then we had... Um, we had to raise money, obviously, and we had to start construction within 30 days of getting the permit. So we had to have our financing. Our financing was contingent on money, and a $7.2 million pledge never came, like right up to the last day. And, we, and so we had to have a miracle, and the miracle came. God gave $5.8 million, and then the seller gave us a million back. It was just amazing. And, and, so, and then when, once we got, built the building, about two months before we moved in, literally, we found out that the floor right there and the floor right there is tilted this way, concrete. And everyone's like, well, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. I said, look, I know it's not my fault because I didn't lay it. The, we just got to fix it. And so they, they couldn't smooth it out, so we put little shoes underneath the seats so that they're level. So we had to fix that. And we had all these design flaws and this stuff in here that, that, that wasn't going to be. And we, last minute, we can't do that. We got to change it. And that whole process. So when we got in here on that day, I was like, thank you, God. And every day I'm in here, I look at stuff that could have been worse drama in the, in the physical building that was designed to be different. And a lot of times we look at a story, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Can I get an amen? When we think about Jesus' birth, we all know what the story is. Everybody who comes to church on, Easter, on Christmas knows it's about Mary and Joseph and they had a baby and she was a virgin. We all know that story. But there's a story behind the story. I want to look at the story behind the story, and then I want to challenge you to ask God to reveal the story he's doing behind your story. You're here on Christmas. You're going to have your parties. You're going to drink your egg. Now you're going to try to hang out under the mistletoe so you can get a kind of kiss from somebody. <laughs> try to get your gift, blah, 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 blah. But really what's going on in your life, and more importantly, what do you want God to do in your life? Are you really willing to do anything? Now, I come from a, a very challenged, a, a competitive background in sports and, and, and football being God's ordained sport. Right. Come on now. That's right. That's right. That's right. Football is like, you could, you could tell, football is like this. What I mean by that, it's not kind of like, hey, whatever. It's like, yo, what's up? It's like that. Okay. And so God is saying, look, if you, really, if you really will do anything, if you're really saying that, then do it. Okay, we're going to give you something to do. Because next year is gonna, we're going to do something that's going to set you free if you do it. But you have to be willing to change your life. Okay, look at the story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph... I'll talk about what that means in a minute. 
before they came together or had intimate relations, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. She's pregnant. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joe, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Um, it says in here that Joseph is betrothed to be married. So here's what happens. In a Jewish uh, culture, there was three stages to being married. You had the engagement that happened when they were little kids. Matchmakers would matchmaker kids up, say, you're going to marry that person, and they were officially engaged. I'm doing that. My grandson, I got about five candidates, still sifting through the options. He's four, you know, girls are 12, 11. I'm trying to, you know, I think how old, how, how, what, what he wants to do. So we, we're just, we got options. We got options. So, so we, that, that's engagement, okay? Then when you get older and you say, okay, we're engaged, I'm ready, I want to marry you, you get betrothed. You ratify the engagement. The betrothals last for one year, and during that one year, you consider each other husband and wife. You can't do what husband and wives do, but you are considered husband and wife. And the only way you could break up is to be divorced. So Joseph was in that one-year period, Joseph and Mary. And it says that during that one-year period, she was pregnant. Well, there's only one way to get pregnant. I mean, I, I've been in youth ministry for a long time, and kids would come to me, they're pregnant, 15, 16, and I would go, uh-huh. They say, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know exactly what happened. How do you not know what happened? And they're like, I, and, and they're crying like get sympathy. I don't know what happened. I just don't know. Yeah, it just happened. So just imagine Mary going to Joseph. Joseph, I don't know what happened. But she's telling the truth. She's saying, I'm pregnant. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, angel said, hey, maybe even before she knew, hey, Joseph, um, Mary's pregnant by God, the Holy Spirit, supernatural. And I know this is going to be uncomfortable for you. It's going, matter of fact, it's going to be downright embarrassing. Everybody's going to know you did it. No one's going to believe that God did it. She's going to walk around with a bump. You're going to marry a pregnant woman. Now, by, by Jewish law, if you got pregnant, committed adultery before you got married, they would stone you. So he could either stone, get her stoned legally, or he could take her privately and, and divorce her. That's what that was about. I'm going to divorce her. And he said, Joe, don't divorce her. And here's what God said. I'm doing something bigger than you in your wife. You hear me? I'm doing something way bigger than you in your wife. And I need you not to get in the way. I just need you to go along with the program. And yes, it is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be scary. But it's way bigger than you know. Now, we look at, oh, it's a, you know, we see the movies of the, of, the, of, the, of the angels singing and the star and the three wise men and, and, and little Mary and Jesus and the baby. And I'm thinking what Joe's thinking. I don't know where this baby came from. <laughs> I don't know who. Can you imagine Joseph, every, every guy that he saw after that, mm-hmm, was it you? Mm-hmm. 
Mm, was it you? Was it you? Can you I'd be, I'd be paranoid about every dude that said hi to Mary. I'm like, don't be saying hi to my Mary. That's my Mary. It's you. I'm imagining all the drama he had to go through. And God said to him, Joe, this is going to be difficult. Mary, this is going to be difficult because you are going to get called names. Everybody's not going to be down with the program that you're giving birth to the Savior of the world. They didn't believe he was the Savior of the world when he was doing miracles, much less when he was, she was pregnant. After he proved that he was Savior of the world, walking on water, raising the dead, they still didn't believe he was the Savior of the world. How much the one Mary's going to say, I'm giving birth to the Savior of the world? Right. But you got to trust me. So, Joe, are you willing to do anything to give my best in your life? Joseph said yes. That's my challenge to you. You know the story. You know the drill. We're going to talk about Jesus being born. So here's my challenge to you. Look in your notes. Oh, by the way, let me do this. Um, there are some couples, women, couples, who cannot have a baby. It may be an infertility thing for the man or the wife or whatever. Whatever the multitude of reasons why people can have a baby. I want to pray for you right now. That God would do this to you. Not that he would get you pregnant, but that he would enable. <laughs> but that he would bless y'all with a pregnancy and do whatever is necessary for y'all to have a baby. So let's, in all the campuses, all the people watch online, just close your eyes and bow your head. And if you know somebody that can't have a baby, I just want you to be praying for them as I'm praying. Lord, we just pray that you would open wombs, empower the men who are infertile. Whatever the issues are that are preventing couples from having babies, we pray that you would bring life to their intimate relations. Bring, bring a baby into this world that would honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, and you know, it's really one simple question. It says, are you willing, I have either faith or fear to allow the Holy Spirit to direct the step, next step of my life. I want you to circle which one is you. Now, all y'all who raise your hand, I would, if you raise your hand, I have faith. Circle faith. Amen? So, here's what we're going to do. Three months ago, God said to me, in a very, two words, he said, make disciples. He didn't imply that disciples aren't being made, but he says, I want you to focus on making disciples next year in 2019. I said, okay. Started praying, getting, getting advice from counsel, from pastors around the country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we, I want to share with you the plan because if you want God's best for your life, you need to do what God said to do to be a disciple. A disciple is not someone who comes to church only. Especially it's not someone who comes to church less than twice a month, which is the average in the United States of America. And especially not someone who just comes to church every now and then, doesn't serve, doesn't give, doesn't, doesn't, is not in a disciplined process. Are y'all following what I'm saying? A disciple is in a process. Okay. So I want to ask that question one more time. All you people, every, all y'all who raised your hand a few minutes ago saying you want everything God, God's best for you, just raise your hand again. I just want you to remind yourself of who you are. Okay, very good. Everyone look around the room. Some of y'all are like, I ain't raising my hand now. 
I want to describe to you what we're going to do next year because next year is like going to come in a blink. It's only in 10 days. And I want you to start praying about adjusting your life to allow God to do something in your life. When God, when the angel told Joseph, Joseph, your wife is going to have a baby, Joseph, his life was turned upside down. And so I want you to, I want you to listen and, and process this with me. We are going to read through the Bible next year, starting January 1. So we have a reading plan for you. I'm going to tell you how to get that in a minute. And it starts January 1, which is in just a few days. Are you following? It's like eight days. So you have to be prepared December 31st with the reading plan so you can stay on track and read. You can read through the whole Bible in 15 minutes a day. Everyone say 15 minutes. Everyone say out loud, everybody's got 15 minutes. Because you do, okay? So that's 15 minutes. That's not, a, that's, not gonna, that's, not gonna, that's not a big deal, okay? It's just a matter of scheduling it, putting your calendar, done. I got to do it. My opinion, best do it when you first get up so you don't, have to, don't let the day rob you and it'll give you. So 15 minutes a day. So we're all going to read through the Bible every week. We're going to, it's about 21, four chapters, depending on how the chapters are. Every Sunday, I'm going to teach from the reading. So I'm going to teach something from the reading you're going to read. So, what we want, we'll, and then we're going to have our groups, which we already have, that are going to have lessons from the reading related to even what I'm talking about. So you're going to hear it on Sunday, you're going to read it during the week, and then you're going to get it in your R group. And then we're going to start, in addition to that, D groups. Again, this is all voluntary if you want to do it. It's just, again, I say, uh, it's up to you. A D group which is a discipleship group that is going to be three to five people, whether you're all guys, three to five all girls, no co-ed. We'll tell you here in, in a minute why. But the D group is discipleship where we get a little deeper into your business. Imagine someone asking you every day, how are you doing with your anger with your wife? Are you reading the Bible? How is your struggle with pornography? Can I keep you accountable? That's what the D group is for. Now, it is absolutely has to be confidential. It's different than the R group. R group is co-ed and everyone's in it. The D group is one gender, confidentiality agreement. These are people you trust and you're going to, hey, are you reading the Bible? Are you sharing your faith? We have questions and we're going to give these questions every week. There's, there's some basic questions every week we're going to give you and we're going to give you questions related to the sermon, which is related to the reading, which is related to what you did in the R group. So you're going to be able to get the information over and over and again. I can't tell you the benefit of going over the same biblical information repeatedly. Because God reveals you layers and layers. If you only read something one time, you just got the surface, trust me. But if you do it layers and repeatedly, you are going to learn and God's going to impact your life. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So it's one thing you come here and you can sit around and not take notes, not have your Bible kind of hide in the crowd. Then you go into our group and now you know some people and it's social. And then you go into D group and these are people that you self-select to be in and you say, now I'm accountable to you. The same, there's going to be also devotionals that are going to go to our youth group. are going to be on the same reading schedule and we're going to give you information for you parents to go with your children. So we're all doing the same curriculum. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So I want, to read on, I want to put up on the screen, and by the way, all this information about our group, D group, is in your lesson plan, but we're going to look at it on the screen. Let's read it real quick. So our group, on the left, anyone can be in our group. If you can have anybody come to your R group, non-Christian or Christian, 
D group closed only to believers and by invite. In other words, I'm going to have an R group and a D group. And in my D group, I'm going to have four to five guys. And once we say this is it, no one else can come in. Why? Because we're making a covenant with each other. And this is not going to be evangelism. This is discipleship. So this is only going to be Christians. And the goal of that D group is to invest in our spiritual life. And it's not open to whoever. It's just us. Our group, anybody can go. In and out, in and out. Our group is 3 to 12 or more people. Uh, a D group is 3 to 5. Our group is co-ed, gender, whoever, uh, whoever wants to be in your R group is just, it's, it's just a family thing. When I say family, you know, the family of God. In D group, gender specific. Guys with guys, girls with girls. If I'm in an R group or I, if a guy is in an R group with his wife, he's not going to admit to some secret sin that he's lusting after another woman in front of his wife. And other people, he's like, fellas, you know, in this D group, that's where that happens. You're not pray for me. Pray for me. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Are y'all following what I'm saying? Okay. Oh, I'll do anything. Next page. Next page. This is all in your lesson plan. It says, our group, to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to grow in Christ-centered community that equips people to mature in their faith and service. A D group, ensure that every member of the, crop, uh, the Rock Church becomes a self feeding believer who participates in a discipleship relationship that re reproduces the life of Christ in another person. Time frame, our group, they go three-month incre increments and they can just go on forever. We have three-month curriculums. Time frame for the D group, 12, really 12 months. And guess what happens after that? You split up. In other words, I can have our group forever. We meet three months at a time or whatever. And it's the same people forever. Cool. My D group, after one year, all of us are going to go out and get our own three to five. Now, I want you to imagine. You're like, well, I don't know the Bible that well. Good. That's why we're going to read it. And guess what? And this is not Bible teaching. This is more about life accountability. We're going to give you the questions. All you have to do is ask the questions like, did you sin this week? What did God say to you in your reading? How can I help you in your faith? It's more of accountability to your walk with God. It is not you being a theological leader to teach the Bible. We will give you information that you can read. You're going to be reading the Bible every week. I want you to imagine having a person in your life, and not only a person in your life in your D group, but in our group and the church of God, all talking about the same biblical content, learning the same verses, learning the Bible, books of the Bible together, and praying for each other. Sharing our faith. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Okay, next, is there another page? I think there's another page. Uh, our group expectation, flexible expectation of members, largely dependent on our group as a whole. People come and go, people come and go. D group, high expectation on participants upheld by covenant, commitments, and consistent accountability. Uh, when I have my, my D group, I'm going to say, fellas, listen, I am very busy. Okay. And I'm going to be more busy than all the guys in my group. They're going to be busy. I'm going to be busy. This is a commitment we're making to each other. We're going to do this. And at the end of 12 months, I, during this 12 months, I want you thinking about who you are going to go invest in. That's how the kingdom, when Jesus left, he had 12 guys. Well, he had 120. 12, and he said, listen, you guys, and then they discipled, and then they discipled. That verse we're, we're talking about, make disciples of all nations. That's the only reason we're here is because they did this. Put that screen up on there. Put that next screen up there. The same screen. I'm going to finish it. Uh, put the screen before that, please. Screen before that. There you go. 
Bottom left, uh, leadership. One or two nurture spiritual growth within the R group to develop future leaders. In the D group, one leader who helps uh, participants grow in their spiritual maturity and prepares them to lead future groups. In other words, just go, leading through the questions. We're going to give you the questions. We're going to give you the information. It's more about saying, I am committed to this group to growing in my faith, and we're going to be transparently honest with each other to challenge each other. Next slide. A D group, outcome, designed to grow and multiply biblical community. And then in a D, our group, in a D group, designed to replicate disciple makers. This is the cool thing. If there were a thousand people here in D, in, in D groups, and each one of those thousands went out and got three more, guess what? That's 3,000. And each one of those 3,000 went out and got three more, you got 9,000. That's how it happens. Versus just coming to church. Now, how do you do both? We got one more slide. Uh, you can meet as an R group 30 minutes and then break out. Some of you got R groups where you can just split up. Or you can have your R group a night of the week and have your D group another day, breakfast time. Or you can alternate weeks. Whatever works for you. But the, 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 the thing is that coming here has one purpose. Being in my R group of 10, 12 people, co-ed has another purpose. But being in my D group where we're saying, fellas, fellas, for me, fellas, ladies, we are committed to each other. We're committed to each other's growth. We're committed to holding each other accountable. And we're going to sign an agreement where we're not going to share the information in this group. Are you following what I'm saying? We're going to pray for each other. We're going to hold each other accountable to reading and all the things that God calls to do. And we're going to watch God do miracles in our life. So here's Joseph. Joseph, God says to Joseph, Joseph, um, I already counted you faithful. And I knew ahead of time that you could handle this, this information having a, having a, having a wife. And by the way, one more thing, um, we are going to go on a fast starting January 6th. And if you can take your lesson plan out, take your lesson plan out and look at the very front top of your lesson plan. It says text disciple to 52525. Say amen if you see that. Say amen if you see that. If you text that word to 52525, you will get information on the reading plan. You will get information on the fast that I want you to be praying about now. So when we hit January 6th, you're ready to do the fast. We're going to preach on it next week. And praying about your D group, R group. Why? Because you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to rearrange your life. And you're going to have to say, yes, I want what God's best in my life. Are you all following me? So here's Joseph. God says to Joseph, Joseph, are you ready to participate with me? And he said, Father... This is a really tough situation. My wife's pregnant. I'm going to get mocked. It's going to be awkward. I'm not going to be with her for all this time. But if this is going to bring salvation to the world, I'm down. That's what he said. That's what was going on behind all these Christmas carols. It was a lot of heartache to me. I can't imagine what he went through. And I'm glad he didn't divorce her. I'm glad they didn't stone her. I'm glad he went along with what God called him to do. This is what we're offering you. My challenge to you is just to pray about what you want God to do. You're not going to get God's best just coming here every now and then reading whenever. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get in shape going to the gym once a month. It's not going to happen. And you go to the gym and you see people there, hey, I haven't seen you. Well, you know, yeah, last year I came. It's been a rough year. Come, come twice this year, you're not going to get in shape. 
You're not going to pass the test unless you're a genius studying the night before only. This will change your life. When I got saved, I was in a, what we called then a small group, an R group, and a D group. And the D group was very different. It was what transformed my life. I can tell you, if you really want, we're very excited about this. We've been working hard to get all these curriculums together and all these details together. My prayer for you is that Christmas, right? God did something new. Let him birth something in you right now that you say, Lord, I want to change. I want to do something different next year. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read through the whole Bible, 15 minutes, and I'm going to be able to get information every week to share about what I read. By the end of the year, I'm going to have so much information from the Bible and guidance from the Bible that my life is going to be different. And, and lastly, I'll say this. I'm going to teach four months on what it is to be a disciple here. Of sermons, there's 14 sermons from January 6th all the way to Easter. And it's all about having a heart that pursues the heart of the Father. So here's my challenge to you before we go. Jesus was born that you would have eternal life. He was born that you will be forgiven of your sin and your, your life will be transformed forever. The first step you have to make is giving your life to Jesus. The first step you have to make is, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to have your best in my life. And if that's true, you will give your life to Jesus. If it's true for you who are saved, then you will say, Lord, Make it clear to me what you want me to do next. You want me to do our group? I got to do that. D group? I got to do that. Read? Show me how to rearrange my life so I can put myself in the best position to win. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, it's not by power or by might, but by your spirit, says the Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to people right now who, number one, are saying, I need Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he was born of a virgin, that my sins may be forgiven, and I want him to forgive my sins. But Holy Spirit, I pray you also challenge people who are saying, I raise my hand. I need to read the word every day. I need to go on a fast and find out what God wants me to do. I need to rearrange my life to bring some spiritual accountability into my life because I cannot do it alone. If you would like to surrender your life to Jesus and receive him as your savior or you just need to recommit your life to him. Pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe that you were born of a virgin, that you lived 33 years, that you died and rose from the dead for me and my sin. Jesus, please forgive me. Come live in my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Use me. Transform me. Stir my heart. Give me a hunger and thirst for holiness in my life. 
Thank you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer for whatever reason, salvation, recommitment, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you want the person who came with you to stand, just tap them on the shoulder, the knee, depending on how well you know them, and have them stand with you. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior, or you just want to recommit your life to Him, I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. 